This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome, movie lovers. We go stateside in the new Kingsman movie, The Golden Circle. Stay tuned as we dissect everything, storyline, cinematography, and all that. So stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We go all the way Almost to Virginia. Again. <laughs> Again. Uh, we have the lovely Marissa Serafini. Hello, everyone. Uh, the ever-informed Dimitri Panos. <laughs> People are always informing me. That's why. Hey, movie fans. Phil, welcome back. That's right. And we got Phil. <laughs> I'm back, I'm back um, Phil Svitek, ladies and gentlemen, that's me um, We're dissecting Kingsman The Golden Circle The follow-up to Kingsman The Secret Circle um, The Secret <laughs> Service that would... <laughs> <laughs> Off to an awesome start, I love Secret it Secret Circle was the a show Wasn't it fairness. a movie? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, probably that, uh, that was the It was a failed show Forgive my uh, <laughs> Forgive me um, if you're joining us for the very first time, welcome. couple of things. A, we will be spoiler-filled. B, um, you can always download our various rundowns in the description box um, and check out some past episodes. If you're returning, welcome back. Hope, you, uh, hope you've enjoyed our past episodes, and hopefully this one delivers just the same. Um, but, but as always, before we get started, uh, let's give our quick impressions, starting with Marissa. Okay, so I really enjoyed the first one, and we talked about it in length. On our first movie mm-hmm. um, anatomy for this one. Yeah, go check it out. So I was kind of expecting the same kind of cool um, uh, expectations for the second one. And quickly, quickly realized in the first five minutes, I'm like, oh, okay, it's going to be over the top ridiculous. ridiculous." And I had to mentally check myself out of that. And like so m- once I realized that there were moments of just like laughing out loud because it was so stupid. And I'm like, oh my god, they, that's an actual line someone wrote, <laughs> and they actually said out loud. And so, the, so there were a lot of moments of like, what am I watching? What am I watching? I think the action was actually pretty good. Um, cinematography, we'll get into. It, it's still cool. Still, really felt like the first one in the same style. But I think the over the top ridiculous king like got me out of this film. And I think the story storyline was pretty um, quite grand out there, just like mm-hmm. the first one. So it, in a way, there was a lot of nuances to the first. The second one was just like, all right. It was a fun action movie, and that's all it was. Yeah. I mean, for me, look, I, I felt that most, and I have, to, I have to stress, most everything that was fun about Secret Service um, is in the sequel, The Gold Circle, with the exception of one thing. To me, Secret Service really went out of its way to be not that kind of movie. Mm-hmm. They even say that line twice in Secret Service. We're not that kind of movie. And Gold Circle, unfortunately, becomes that kind of movie, or I would say more to the point, that kind of sequel, 
while it is fun, and I did have, like you were, I had a lot of fun. I can't say I, I laughed a lot, and I had a lot of fun at the ridiculousness of it all. Um, I still felt that it suffered from a major sequelitis symptom of bigger isn't necessarily better. And to me, it felt like a, a bloated Bond movie um, where there's more focus on the gadgetry, overplotting sets and locales, instead of just focusing on Bond, which that's what makes a great Bond movie. So Gold Circle has... Golden. It, or Golden <laughs> Circle uh, also has like a longer runtime, and I felt that it's, it, it felt it. And it just wasn't as tight as the original, and it did felt feel weighed down uh, to some extent. And the charm of the first movie was really the eggsy, hairy heart relationship. And in Golden Circle, you know, we're just getting back to being introduced to the Kingsman, and bam, gone. And it, like you, 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 Michael Gambone, who's the new head, which makes sense. Uh, Gone, and then our, our 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 female, his female counterpart, who is uh, uh, Lancelot. Uh, you know, she potentially looks like she's gone, but we just started to get back into the cadence of everything, and I just felt that they were dispatched really too soon in the movie. And then we're introduced to a whole new cast of characters and the the, the statesmen who I really liked, and then we get the big reveal. Of, of of Harry Hart is alive, and at this point we're not even halfway through the movie, so there's lots going on. It could have really benefited from some really paring down, but it still manages to entertain. I mean, I love the fact that Eggsy is in a serious relationship um, with the Princess of Sweden, who we met at the end of. Yep. Of Secret Service. I love the fact that they're together. That's the one anti-Bond thing. Eggsy was not a love him and leave him kind of guy. And I, and I really love that they were in a serious relationship together. So that was all fun and good. So thankfully our main characters don't get completely lost and they do have noble conclusions. And I love the Kingsman universe. I hope that the next one we get more Skyfall than Die Another Day. Yeah, if, ironic for me, this was kind of almost like a sequel to the Brothers Grimsby, in terms of its <laughs> yeah. overall ridiculousness. I thought about that too. Its humor, um, both are sort of British style, mm-hmm. um, and you know it, it. And whereas at least like Brothers Grimsby, as over the top as it was, it was an hour and a half. This just was way too long. Um, honestly, it captured none of the original heart for me. I did appreciate. Agzi and uh, and the princess. I thought that was a really sweet moment overall, but everything else just unfortunately fell flat for me. Um, I thought the action was just so over the top CGI. Um, I didn't have a fun time with this one. I was really disappointed and made me question, wait, was the first one like this and I just was in a different headspace? Well, the two things, you know, and I forgot, I forgot to mention the real rocket man Elton John is in this movie which to me added for a lot of fun but the other thing that made this movie more appealing too is uh and I and I think you should set this up for everybody like before going to like a disappointing sequel see mother beforehand and it'll make that movie look awesome <laughs> so 
I saw Mother like a day or two before. So when going into this movie, I was like, oh my God, thank God. <laughs> Something that was light, funny, and entertaining. Right. And I did see the original Kingsman um, a few days prior too. I just wanted to get back into the swing of things. And yeah, it was a more original movie. We'll get into more about the plotting and Matthew Vaughn's whole scope about this. But, um, you know, I, I enjoyed the characters and, uh, you know, Eggsy, he's just cool. Well, I, I, I thought Samuel L. Jackson, like, you know, when we talk about it being Eggsy's story in the first one, um, I thought this could have been definitely more of his story. Um, but also, you can't discredit Sam- Samuel L. Jackson, as over the top as he is, he's just wonderful as a villain. And unfortunately, Julianne Moore, I, I wasn't really, I bought her character as Poppy, but I just didn't like Poppy. So therefore, it just fell flat. Right. I mean, I love Julianne Moore and Jimmy. She's an amazing actress. She's mm-hmm. Academy Award winner. So uh, you know it's not the acting that that is her problem. It's the, the script and the character that they wrote for her, um, which was the problem. There are other um, antagonists in the movies and, and stories that are, like, perky, but also you love to hate. Like Umbridge, Professor Umbridge from Harry <laughs> Potter. Very over-the-top perky. But she's so conniving and manipulative that you right. hate her. And, like, Poppy could have been that type of person. She was just too, I, I don't know what the word is. She was too perky. It was just annoying. It wasn't It wasn't something to be afraid of. It was just annoying. Yeah, and they didn't, they didn't, they didn't give her much to do. Like, with, with, with Sam Jackson's character, we understood completely 100% his motivation for what he was doing. Um, his heart was misguided, but you, you understood the method to his madness. You didn't understand that, A, uh, Poppy seemed to be a, a, a fugitive of the United States or maybe the entire world, for, for what I know. I didn't know enough of her her reasoning behind this socio-political thing that she was doing which is to she wanted all drugs to be legalized and it was sort of kind of the again there were a lot of james bond throwbacks it was a sort of kind of the live and let die like of the poppy seeds which was main in that james bond movie but she wanted to control the drug racket but there wasn't there was an exposition like i didn't really get her like what was why her motive and you got that in the first one and then i couldn't figure out what was her anger towards the kingsman i mean i would figure i mean i knew you knew that you have her one henchman who probably told her all about them but you know there's the cia the fbi (laughs) there's all these other ones but it's the kingsman who can save the the world i guess i mean that's i guess that was my thing. It happened. There was no, like, re- like she just destroyed them. And I was like, why do you hate them so much? What did they do to you? Like, even in a Bond movie, like Skyfall, there's a reason why, like, there's a reason why MI6 is getting torpedoed. Yeah. And over here, it just felt as a plot point. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm surprised, like, he, it's, I find it ironic that you guys use the word exposition, like we need more exposition, because one of the things that I absolutely hated was how many times we went into a scene. Okay, so we've got this, so we're here, and we got to get the princess, and we got to do this, so, all right, let's split up. And, uh, yeah, this uh, this little condom, that's, yeah, it's not going there. It's going, like, stop. It's just, 
it was so on the nose exposition, so poorly disguised. Like even when we met Poppy, I thought it was a voiceover, which that's <laughs> supposed to be the joke. But I'm like, okay, I part of me chuckles, but it's like, okay, that's just your cheap way of inserting this exposition, right? And it feels really cheap. But I just wanted some background on her. That's all. And yeah. and I thought the funny thing is is where Sam Jackson's character made me crave McDonald's. <laughs> after watching as after watching Secret Service. Did you want to do recreational d- drugs afterwards? No, I didn't want to go near a burger <laughs> after this one. No, after Poppy. <laughs> no, after, oh, exactly. Yeah. I did not want to eat a burger, even if it was in that Johnny Rockets type of diner. And mind you, I loved that environment that she set up for herself because she has that appreciation for American nostalgia. But I knew more about that than what her motivations and why she was a fugitive of the world, so to speak. Why she had to set up camp there. Did I miss something in the movie, or was that explained? Uh, It was explained in the sense that that was the only location that she could go to, and she would be safe, and it's one of the hidden treasures of the world, and, quote, it's not so hidden, because she's there. Right. (laughs) Yeah, Um, but she's a multi-billionaire, and she can afford building a whole town for her. Yeah, which was... Sort of, kind of cool. I half expected to see a hoverboard, um, which would have been funny. I, you know, that I thought it was too techno-y. Like just all the robots and this and that. And yeah, she explained it. You know, I can't trust people, so that's why I have so many robots. Uh, but it just, again, it, it just felt so over the top and unnecessary. Um, it wasn't like the first one. I would say was grounded in a more today day and age reality mm-hmm. this one was just took that notion that core and was like okay how far can we go with this right and right. That, go ahead i'm sorry oh i i agree with that i think that there was just too much technology that you couldn't like really think um that it was realistic especially with the the, the dog bots and stuff but if you're going to have a whole location that pretty much takes place in the 50s but has today's new technology they they just don't match together they right. they don't fit in that environment yeah no and, and she I, has I, a retro location yeah and i agree and that's where i was going like this is like when, when i talk about a bloated bond movie it's that type of because there's so much tech or gadgetry or whatever it's so over to the top that it's sort of kind of we all know that james bond doesn't exist but he's so much better when he's in a more of a real world which statesman uh, not not statesman. Secret, Secret Service. Service sort of kind of set that up. It was in a Bondonian kind of universe, but it really took it. It went out of its way to say we're not that kind of movie. And Sam Jackson was not stationary. I think that's another thing too. He actually was very, in a sense, mobile. Like he traveled the world he, with him. Yeah, and he popped up in places that were actually a genuine surprise when he shows up. At the tuck shop, so to speak. Yeah. At Sotheby's, or is that what it is? Yeah, when he shows up at the, the Kingsman estate, and you're like, oh, you know, so she was very stationary. She Well, she didn't move. She didn't no. She didn't move from that location. She smiled. She smiled. And she she's always, like you said, she's always a good presence, though. And she seemed to have fun with it. And She was a walking advertisement. <laughs> sure. She <laughs> really was. You, you, you said, like, how we introduced <clears throat> her was voiceover for her commercial and the the product she was selling but her just her character throughout the whole film was just walking advertising mm-hmm. 
Yeah, um, let's let's backtrack quickly um, to sort of the development stage of this. To summarize, um, for the most part, if Kingsman was a, the first one was a success, they knew they were going to do a sequel, and Matthew Vaughn very much wanted to be a part of it. Um, there was a little bit negotiation in the sense of timing, you know, not necessarily financial, but um, you know, can they get everybody back? Can Matthew Vaughn do it, so forth, and it all worked out. Um, he did. He was writing the the plot, and for a long time, um, Harry. It, w- it was stated by the studio and so forth that Harry was not going to be part of it. And then um, f- later on in the process, I said, you know what, we, we we figured out a way to make it organic, and not have it suffer. And um, so I think that was the first sort of big reveal, um, which they revealed in the trailer, which like Harry coming back. Yeah, and that to me. A, it's very bold, and I felt, okay, what more is this movie going to give us? Mm-hmm. You know, but it, it was cool, and we'll talk about his resurrection, so to speak, I'm sure, later on in the show. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, and, and, and Vaughn, he, he purposely did say, you know, he set the first one up so there could be a sequel, um, and he wasn't necessarily down for doing a sequel, because he... he to him, sequels are really hard because of what's happened. And he doesn't want it to be boring and unoriginal. <laughs> so, this wasn't boring. Certainly it was original, but it yeah. was just way, you know, it could have benefited from less originality. Sure. Mm-hmm. Perhaps. Um, but anyway, in a nutshell, unless you guys have anything to add in terms of the development. Um, well, I can be- say the movies that inspired him, and I, and I leave this to the audience as well, and he's Vaughn you know, says he looked at a number of sequels that he felt matched or surpassed the predecessors, the predecessors and Godfather two part mm-hmm. two, uh, and empire strikes back. And they were neither boring or unoriginal. And he, he took from them because he liked that they were a continuation of a story. I just, the Godfather is an Epic and we don't need an Epic in a Kingsman movie. Empire strikes back sort of makes sense, but there's still a simplicity about empire. It doesn't really get bogged, heavily bogged down in plot threads, which this one had a ton, including Elton John. <laughs> well, so. but the thing is, you, those are better sequels than this one. Sure. And, and you say it's a continuation of the story. Uh, I believe that with the those, you know, Empire and Godfather, this one was a whole new story. I mean, we had the same characters, but we had a whole new villain, a whole new location, and a whole new plot. So it's not really a continuation of the story when it's all new. Yeah, and well, and just by the simple fact we met so many different characters. Like, we, you know, to your point, uh, within the first 10, 15 minutes, let's say, um, we're back to starting position one because right. we wiped everyone out. Yeah, and it was a, and it was a bummer because, uh, number one, I like uh, Sophie Cook, I believe her name. Roxy. Ro- Roxy. Oh, yeah. I, li- I liked that actress. I liked that character. I even, I loved, again, it was a play on Bond when Eggsy's on meeting the parents, right? And like Bond, who's being asked these questions, and he was like answering. Bond knows everything. But then you find out it's because she was feeding them all the answers. And I was like, oh my God, that's awesome. It was really well done. Um, I was sort of sad to see her go because they built up such a a, a rapport you don't see her die per se, so 
Well, you see the bomb. You see the bomb. You see her jumping out of the way. I find that character to be very resourceful. So do you think she's still alive because we physically didn't actually see her body die on screen? Well, if I'm going to take... If they're going to come back with the third film, she could still be alive. I think so, because if you're going to go with the Matthew Vaughn logic of how part of how they brought Harry back, you know, so I think because we didn't she literally we saw her escaping you assume that she didn't make it so maybe she just went into a, a deeper hiding maybe she will be back i don't know but I mean, she's in the mansion they have to have like safe bunkers and safe would, rooms i mean that was sort of thinking she yeah. I, she's still alive you, you you think she's she is the, it's not that i don't disagree with you guys or it, it it's just the fact of um I just hate that sort of play. And what they did with Harry in particular, that was such a such liberty to keep him alive. Like, oh, uh, we freeze the head, we do this, and it's like, you know, it's it's just so... When, again, like when you talk about the gadgets, it's just too many gadgets, and I don't buy it. Like, if a bullet's going through your eye socket, it's going to hit some damage. Like, I want to see proof that this is even possible that someone can survive... A headshot like that, mm-hmm. love, you know, because in that case, it's fine. You can maybe revive them, but if they're dead, then good luck. You're not reviving them. Wait, you didn't believe the nanobot head wrap? No, I didn't at all. Well, I thought that was the dumbest thing on. <laughs> you know, I well, thought it was very sloppy. Yeah, I thought you, it was a really quick, sloppy way to just explain. Oh, this is what we did just so to keep him alive. Yeah. I thought it was very sloppy. Well, see, I have a bar for this sort of thing. I do, and because I'm a horror fan. And that bar comes in the movie Halloween Resurrection. Okay. So H2O sets up Jamie Lee Curtis's character perfectly as Laurie Strode. And at the end of that movie, she lops off the head of Michael Myers at the end of that movie. Okay. Michael Myers is dead. His head is lopped off. But Resurrection finds what I thought to be the stupidest explanation ever for resurrecting the Michael Myers. And... I was just like, well, it's not as bad as re- it's not as bad as that. <laughs> I mean, because uh, and and but that's not a good barometer, nonetheless. It's the only barometer that I have outside of someone who wants to bring up the Friday the Thirteenth. Those are completely different movies <laughs> altogether. <laughs> so, but this one, I'm like, yeah, it's a better explanation than what they gave me in Resurrection because that one I just didn't buy from the get go. This one, I was like, uh, okay. Again, bloated Bond. Way too much technology and He's the nanobots. Alive. And, you know, I get it. Science fiction, if this were Star Trek The Next Generation, this is what they would be doing. I get it. All right. Um, I, I'll, I'll forgive it that because it just wasn't as bad as Halloween Resurrection. The, here's the, everyone just felt like a caricature. And granted, yeah. they had, like, like ginger ale okay that's and we have champ and tequila and so forth like we got these ridiculous names fine i'm willing to go along with that but you know i don't want to like halle berry is another actress and I, I don't, i'm not just pinpointing the women so don't think that um but you know she's a fantastic actress and her like playing the stereotypical pencil pusher with like pushing up her eyeglasses and like we can save his life i just like what Stop. Just just give me an authentic, honest portrayal rather than a caricature of what you think a CIA agent is. And I'm not blaming her. I'm not saying she made those choices. 
Um, I just didn't like it. No, but I, I I agree with you though because it's such it's characters that we see in so many movies and television shows. It's not new or original. I think this particular film lacks from strong women. And y- you know me, I like I like when there's actually a strong protagonist woman to play off the the men. And this was like all sausage party, really. Really, that's what it was. There wasn't really strong even Julianne Moore, she she wasn't threatening or scary to the point where like oh we got to axe this woman you know I, like i think and she has the acting capability of playing a good strong opposite towards you know to towards exit but i don't think they wrote the women roles strong enough to be likable or to be on the same level as everyone else i, I will go like with julianne moore she was more threatening to her henchmen than she was to our heroes as far as Halle Berry, and again, just, just going by M- Matthew Vaughn's logic about this movie, and he, he, he has called this movie a bridge movie. And the only thing I'll say about Halle Berry, who is also in a James Bond movie as Jinx, um, yes, she was, the, she was the counterpart to Merlin, so she's the geeky thing. She always looks great, by the ways. And I, at least at the end of that movie, she's become a statesman, right? And, you know, very well earned. So my hope is, is that when we get a third, which I hope we get a third, you know, this collaboration, she has more to do. I just felt with the statesman, and as much as I loved him, because I love the fact that they were, they were the Kentucky bourbon to the, to the Kingsman scotch, so to speak. And I love that, like, you know, Jeff Bridges was fun. I didn't need... Yet another plot thread about a double agent. I mean, we got enough to worry about here. Just introduce the characters, let them help out in whatever which way they can, and let's go forward. And then I'll look forward to the collaboration. It was just a little much. Channing Tatum, who we'll talk about, who made his presence in the movie. Well, I do want to. I want. I want. I want to finish up on the girls for yeah. one second because if if you kind of. Consider that we have Clara and we obviously have the princess. And, you know, Marissa, to your point about strong women, uh, the princess was sort of the only one that kind of on a surface level could con- be considered strong because she like went again sexy of like, I- I'm not talking to you. But it just it didn't feel like a true emotion. You know, like the fact that Exy was being for me being honest with her and so forth. And that's the way she reacted. Uh, to me, that's not a strong reaction. It's just like, oh, you're just giving opposition to Exy. And then Clara herself, like, the fact that she was just DTF is absurd. <laughs> yeah. It, again, the, like, the women roles weren't strong. And I think the princess w- was the only character that was strong enough. But then they had to debilitate her with being one of the people who's affected by this horrible thing that's going on the, the the disease and i'm like come on it's like you even take her and and literally have to put her character on limits for her to not do anything yeah well and for me i well again i loved the fact that princess tilda was in this movie it was a pleasant surprise and as soon as she came up on screen i said oh my god they they have the relationship because i thought it was going to be with roxy like mm-hmm. they, they almost set it up that way I loved the character and what she what she was standing for and like she needed to be rescued but she's a princess. 
And I love the fact Princess that they don't were need together. to be rescued. Twenty first century women don't need to be rescued. Well, at the end of Secret Service, she was captured and Eggsy's off to save the yep. world and um I you know, I appreciated that they were together. Because that is a, an anti-James Bond trope. It wasn't a love them and leave them. They actually had a good relationship. They're going to go meet the parents. They end up getting married. And and I liked how that relationship was sort of building. And again, you don't see James Bond calling whomever saying, hey, I got to do this. I want to let you know. And I, I sort just of like that. It just didn't feel as real because um, she should have been his confidant, right? She's the only, let's call it a civilian, that sort of knows what he's really sure um, capable of and what he's out there doing. And so the, the, they didn't have that deeper level of a relationship um, that they could have. And it is unfortunate. They didn't take advantage of that. Like That, to me, would have been very interesting to see. I, I, I agree with you. I like that they have the princess... They just it, it felt a little bit flat, and I know um, one of the things we could talk about now is also um, everyone's biggest controversy. Apparently, is the uh, um, going down the rabbit hole sort of shot. <laughs> uh, no, because uh, you know the, people are saying like, did Matthew Vaughn push the uh, the limit too far? Yeah, I don't have a problem with it. I just have a problem with the context, how easy it was overall um, to do it. You know, I. I that that's the problem I have with it. But yeah, well, <laughs> let, well, we'll go, have Marissa go first. I thought it was cheap. Sure. I thought it was just like a terrible way to like degrade the situation, especially treat a woman like that. Like they set up a joke, and we understood how he was supposed to get it in her. It's like, yeah, we got it. We didn't need to see it. But also, it's set up for, like, a longer joke. A run- it was more so a running joke throughout this whole film. Because now we know that this girl that he fingered <laughs> is the girlfriend of his of his rival. So, like, oh, crap. They're, they're all related in some way. And it kind of went to, to the end for, again, a joke that fell flat. Yeah, it, it wasn't for me, needed. It, yeah, for me, it didn't. It 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 didn't fall flat. Although it wasn't as good as the, if you save the world, you get asshole. Like, I'll be right back. Like that to me was funny and how how uh, Secret Service ended. But again, it's not that kind of movie. I don't mind that it was unapologetically rated R. I liked how they had the conversation where Eggsy's like, "So I need to get this. How do we get this up somebody's nose?" Because it's going to be this mucus, and he's like, no dummy. <laughs> and it's like, well, how do we do this? They're at the Glastonbury Music Festival. She's obviously high on whatever. It didn't, I was like, okay, they're going there. And yes, she's the girlfriend of, you know, whomever. And Eggsy does what he, what he does. It didn't, it didn't bother me because, I, I don't know. It, it was just, it, it was just not. Okay, but. I but get that it's not PC, but. but uh, but, we are but, so safe that it's. But Bond her. seduces women. James, uh, he yeah. there is an art like when you talk about James Bond and and that whole trope. He is the like guys want to be him. Uh, yes. Right. I mean, Marissa. Right. Would you not like if there was a James Bond type of person? Wouldn't you be swept away by the words I'd of him? Be all up in that. Yeah, of course. <laughs> well, and let me ask you this. If you heard what Eggsy said of, like, she, uh, what she's saying is, uh, go away. Like, would that be like, oh, my God, you're so sweet. You swept me off my feet and you saved me. Like, no. would that do? So, there's not a romance to it. 
She's just, I, I'll use it, like, DTF, down to fuck. For yeah. no reason other than See, he's James, there. James Bond was more artistic, and this one was more brash. Yeah, this one, this one's a bar pickup. That's all. It's a bar pickup. And, and like, you can't tell me there are on hookups, especially in Los Angeles, happening most oh, of the night. Oh, there are. So, you but know, I just thought it was, it, it's just so lame. It's just, but I, actually, he's better than that. But he's got to get his job done. And, you know, as far as... But he didn't even do a job. He just, it just, the job did him. <laughs> True! <laughs> well, he got the, he got the tracking got device job, right? where... Oh, congratulations, but like... So they can figure out where in, uh, I forget what country we went to, uh, you know, Snow Palace country we went to, to find the antidote. Okay, but Uh, I I, I don't know if this is the right comparison, but it'd be like if you had to shoot a bear and you had to go into the wilderness, well, this is like the opposite where the bear literally knocks on your doorstep and is like, hey, I'm here to be shot. (laughs) Like, I don't know how else to compare it besides, like, she just... It's too easy. Yeah. Yeah. Again, Glastonbury Music Festival. You know, look, it it would have been funnier had she passed out from her drug-induced whatever and he tried to get it up her nose. <laughs> like, uh, that's up a the nose. Breath. I was like, where are you like, going with this? <laughs> no, well, because it was talked about. No. It was, oh, yeah. He goes, well, how do we get that? That's going to be awkward, getting it up the nose, because that, no. that, that was where I was thinking, and... That could have been funny, the, but they didn't go for that. There and are other orifices in the human body. That not that are mucusy. Well, there are, but not that are mucusy and whatever. And that would have been funny had he tried to maybe yeah. get it up the nose. But again, it was very unapologetically R. It didn't. It didn't. I don't. Yeah. Me. Anyway, uh, well, let's move on. All I'm saying is, I, I don't. I don't. I'm fine with it being unapologetic. I just the context of it. Anyway. Let's, uh, I let's Secret just... Service, it worked better. Yeah. I thought it was a funnier joke yeah. in Secret Service. All right, let's 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 shift gears, talk about the, I guess, the men. We just no. talked about the <laughs> Let's put the men on the, the slab. Um, I thought, to be, honestly, Merlin was the strongest character to me as far as the guys are concerned. Yeah, I love Merlin. And I even distinctly remember me saying in the first one, I love Merlin. Mm-hmm. Merlin is such a strong character, and I'm glad that Mark Strong came back because he's such a strong actor. I agree with And yeah. I really liked him, He and he's the most consistent. He's the most empathetic during all the missions, and he's the, the most loyal friend that Eggsy needed. In mm-hmm. this. And then you saw his loyalty literally up until his his end mm-hmm. um and I, I like his character and it's really sad that he died yeah i mean listen i i like mark strong is a is a good actor and i was happy to see him in secret service as a good guy because there was a time like he was the villain in the sherlock Holmes movies he was playing villains a lot he's brilliant but i like him better you know i like that he's able to be a good guy mm-hmm. and he plays a really he played a really good guy, and I was happy. To, well, of course, we have to have him back because there's no quote unquote Harry, and he's the one that sort of has to be Eggsy's mentor. Even though Eggsy becomes a Kingsman, still needs some. He still needs some polishing, um, and I really like the relationship that they had. I liked the relationship when there was Colin Firth when we had Harry Merlin and Eggsy, mm-hmm. right? Because that trio. that really made a good trio. Uh, but Mark Strong in this is great, and he was 
mentoring. He was the father figure. He took over for Harry, and he was doing a really good job. Um, I really like Taron um, Egerton. Egerton a lot, too, though. I think he is the backbone, and he plays an, he plays suave so nonchalantly. That's what I really like about that character. And he's still a little rough around the edges because he could still wear a crooked hat, but yet he can be really good with kids. And I think that helps the bond between him and Merlin. When they get drunk together, that's one of the funniest scenes in the movie. And I think it's because of both of the actors. I agree. You know? And I, I, I actually, the way you guys are describing it, I wanted it to be that. Um, you know, then sort of reinserting Harry into the equation, now we have to retrain Harry. And it became a separate subplot. I really, as much as I love Colin, and I know, Marissa, you absolutely love him as an actor. (laughs) This movie, I really think, could have benefited with him. Take him out. Leave him there. Mm -hmm. Develop the Merlin and um, Hexy's bond even stronger. Right. Yeah. I don't disagree. Well, also because it, we had such a strong uh, Merlin and Eggsy, and mm-hmm. then you add Harry to it, now it's a different dynamic of a relationship. And then now you add Champ to it. Yeah. You have, I think that's also the problem. You have too many alpha males together in a group. And we know, like the Marvels, they, they're always going to butt heads if something's going to go wrong. When you add too many guys or, or, or just characters, strong characters together and there's going to be a, a, a natural clash and i think that's what they had yeah i well again i think it suffered from t- too too many characters to try to keep track of um and here my my picky about it too is like we save and resurrect somebody so somebody can so somebody can die like i wasn't i'm not i didn't like the fact i mean albeit he merlin dies a much more noble courageous death than harry did i mean harry was just he was just point blank killed like there was nothing noble about it he wasn't saving anything he just got through this harrowing experience that he was forced to fight to the light you know to the to, to the death and then he gets killed very unnoble like where they, at least they gave merlin the noble death but from what i understand they did film an alternate version where Merlin lived, because they had it down. And I personally, in this day and age, well, we didn't, I hate the, I hate, like, especially a person who may have come back and only to kill him. So we bring Harry back, but only to kill Merlin? Like, there didn't need to be that balance in the world, so to speak. He could have lived, and I would have been all right with that. He dies nobly, I get it. Mark Strong played that scene perfectly but there is no way he's coming back from body parts flying if all they over did, the place I, yeah. I can't they can't explain they can't how explain. they resurrect yeah. his death well they could try we got all his DNA saved somewhere we Frankensteined him <laughs> yeah. anyway and uh, transcendence too. but Mark Strong is a great character and I like to see him be in that yeah. kind of role yeah I, I really you know? I, I, I really I really wanted more of him. It's a shame the way it went because the I, as bad for me as the first like thirty forty minutes were, I do agree with you. The the 
Eggsy and Merlin bond was so strong. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate it. But um, would you agree that it was equally as good as the Eggsy? Harry? Oh, absolutely. Really? It was yeah. getting to that point. Yeah. That's I what I was excited so. for. Yeah, me too. Um, let's talk about tequila, though. Not the drink, of course, but Channy Tatum. <laughs> um, because uh, there's a lot of controversy of why... Well, I don't know controversy, if this is the right word, but there's a lot of talk Question. about why uh, Channing Tatum doesn't have a bigger role in this movie. Right. Um, first off, let's talk about the role that he actually did have, and then we'll speculate uh, everything else. Um I thought he did good. I, I think the pattern in this movie was we get introduced to these characters. Characters are taken away. When it came to Channing Tatum, I thought he actually captured the screen quite well. Um, and then he's taken away. Mm-hmm. And then I have to deal with another thing. And it, it, that's I had issue with that because it was, it, it, that's what made it even more frustrating. I was, I was like, okay, you know what? I'm kind of getting back into this movie. I'm, I'm enjoying this. Okay, fine. Um, and then it's gone. So, um, what did you guys think of, you know, the character? I I mean, I like Tequila. I thought that was a very strong introduction to, you know, the stateside storyline. And Mm -hmm. that they they had another quote-unquote antagonist that they had to get through. Um, and I and I like the action scenes. I thought it was funny. Channing Tatum, we know he has charisma, and sure. we know he can dance, and just his personality. We know he's strong enough to have a presence on screen. And I think that's also the pro- problem. We have too many strong characters in this film that you, we can only get doses of them every once in a while throughout this film. We got yeah. a lot of Channing Tatum in 10 minutes, and then that's it. You, like, And then you bench him. We literally ice him. Yeah, yeah. Well, literally ice. he goes on ice. And, well, the thing is, too, apparently, apparently, um, he had more to do. Uh, in fact, he was to be, to be the character with the lasso. And it, it, there was even, I think, a trailer, but I know that a trailer had debuted at CinemaCon in which he's, um, he's the character that uses a deadly lasso whiskey. as a gadget. Whiskey. 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 No, but um, tequila. Was supposed to be that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Supposed Tequila to have, was supposed to be whiskey. Well, yeah, he was supposed to be the 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 the. the Last I'm not sure if he had that same plot arc of being uh, what do you call him a double agent or whatever, but he was supposed to be using that lasso, and he was supposed to be in the movie more. Whether now, according to Darren Egerton, he says that there was a scheduling thing, so maybe he was filming Logan Lucky. I don't know. What was. And again, if you're going under the logic that this is a bridge movie, uh, Tequila does make that great. Uh, um, he makes, uh, at the end of the movie, he makes that great entrance, dressed up, and he has a bowler hat. Uh, I, you, I thought he looked god-awful. Did you? I just thought I mean, it was funny. He, he I think looked he was handsome. I thought it was Did weird. He? I No, I thought it was a weird ending to this film, because I literally had this thought watching it. Hmm. I'm like, why are we ending this film on... On, on, on tequila. Yeah. Wait, he, he's not the, the last person that we should be seeing in a movie. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the setup for a third one if they want a third one. Yeah, I like, mean, I tequila just, is going to be a bigger character in the third one. Yeah, I and just I just looked that. at it as, as like a almost a button um, because we do see the Kingsman shop looks yeah. to be reopened. But you shouldn't um, end on tequila. You, you end on Eggsy or someone. Yeah, I, I don't. You end on the actual protagonist of the film. Yeah, I don't. I don't disagree there, Sorry, I I, I, but I didn't mind seeing that he would come back. But 
again, it just goes. He had his one great scene, like when he was dancing. Come on, like that was funny to me. Like, he was great. Like, he, he was. was. Great. It was, I was funny. It was not needed. Yeah. It was not needed. But it was funny. And, and again, and this is where this is where I'm so conflicted. I had fun watching this movie. This movie made me laugh more than so-called comedies that were released over the summer. It's flawed. Channing Tatum is a good presence, but again, this could have been like maybe maybe at some point we didn't need um, um, uh, we didn't need Whiskey's character. I don't know, but I thought there was too much. Like, why did you need to make Whiskey? Why did I need to be introduced to a character and get more about his background than my villain's background? And then he subsequently becomes sort of a villain, and I was just like, there's just too much. And uh, I wouldn't have mind whiskey to come back, but he, he should have been there to help uh, other than be counterproductive to what needed to be done. So it was just there was too much going on. Well, I, I don't like the the use of the word bridge, you know, in a, in a trilogy, if we're going to call this, a, you know, going into be a trilogy. Um, the second movie should be just as good as the first the fir- and the third. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I the the notion of bridge just means like it's a throwaway movie. I don't, re- I shouldn't even need to, I shouldn't watch it because it's a waste of my time. Yeah. And I, I don't like that notion. Um, you know, and I, yeah, I really, I'm disappointed by what they did with Channing Tatum. Scheduling issues aside, like figure something out. I don't know. It just, and we keep pointing to the problem. Just too many characters. Mm-hmm. Too much. Yeah. Right, I mean, like, and I like Tequila. Maybe he had he he did his bit, but you didn't have to have him be one of the ones affected either, because in the end, he still lives. I mean, he could have just like introduced the guys to stateside, and then that was it. But if, him getting sick just shows the differences between statesmen and kingsmen, and kingsmen. right? And you know, he was a little bit. Uh, He's a freewheeling kind of guy, which I get, and I love that, and that's why I love the, the like the bourbon, the comparison of Kentucky bourbon and Scotch, and I love I drink both, and it's just really I just found it to be very funny. Jeff Bridges, you know, I I thought to be very fun, and he looked everybody looked like they were having a good time in their roles. And that, to me, too, sort of goes a long way, even though they were given either too little too or too fun. much. You think so? There's, you know, um, believe it or not, I, I, I don't know. Uh, not that this is the case, because it's not quite the case, but um, I forget what movie, like, um, Steve Austin um, has a hard time watching himself. And, and it's because he says, like, you know... The like, Expendables? No, no, no. I, not The Expendables. Um, but he says it's because... Um, the director was more of a fanboy of his and didn't bring him back. So I don't, obviously I don't, I'm not saying Matthew Vaughn is a fanboy of these people and didn't bring, bring them back, but I think um, all of them collectively might have just had too much fun making this movie. And that's fine. I'm not saying don't have fun making a movie, but you lost sight of the overall goal, which is to make a great movie rather than just like, you know what, let's be over the top and have fun with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he didn't rein them in when he was supposed to. Yeah. Um, so that's my um what there's a lot of discussion about the president of the united states <laughs> the obvious I, I you know here's the thing like when we talk about this movie we can't i'm not making the comparison to trump but everyone else in the world is saying like oh 
Matthew Vaughn's making a political statement on Trump. That's a plot thread to me that 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 was again like if you took that plot thread out, you'd still have a movie. It almost seemed. It, it just seemed again. It was just yet another plot thread here that wasn't necessary. You know, I mean, to me, the political social thing was legalized drugs. Mm-hmm. That's that's an issue with 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 marijuana becoming legalized in many states already and things like that. The legalization of drugs is a hot topic, much like climate change is a hot topic, which was broached in Secret Service. We only needed one. We didn't need to have all this, like, we, we didn't need to have this, like, uh, yet add another layer to this and have the president. I think it the was the way that they handled it with the, the care, the actual character of the president actively saying out loud, like, yeah, they're, they're drug users. Let them all die, mm-hmm. you know, because they deserve it. I think the way that they actually executed it with the character made him so dislikable that, yeah, people who are actually watching this film are going to make those ties to Trump because Trump does a lot, says a lot of things that pisses a lot of people off. So, yeah, you're going to make that comparison. Yeah, I just felt it was an, yet it was an unnecessary plot thread, that if you take that out, it doesn't but, affect the outcome of the movie. No, the the tough, you know, and and thinking about it, Poppy, the problem was like, what I loved about Samuel L. Jackson's character was the fact that he actually did come from a decent perspective, flawed as it may be. Like he was trying to do his bit. Right. Uh, Poppy's just trying to be rich. Yeah. So when you talk about like, you know, she's trying to legalize drugs, so she can be rich, not because like, you know, drugs should be legal, because of X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just, um, there, it, it's a weird sort of notion. Like, oh, it almost kind of becomes like, who's worse? Is Poppy worse or is the president right. worse? Right. Um, honestly, like, I, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what to think of it. Cause, uh, in some sense, like you, you, like, I think Poppy, they should have had that perspective of like, you know what, if I drug the druggies, then I'm doing a service to the world. Right. It's a flawed notion, but you could understand the rationale. Or at the very least, give, a reason, make it right. give a reason why. Like, like say marijuana, medical marijuana, right? Say, say she had a sister, brother, father, mother, whatever, that was denied this treatment, right? And mm-hmm. those, so she has skin in the game. Like, you actually felt that Sam L. Jackson's character had some semblance of skin in the game, regardless of how off the rails he was. There was nothing about that character other than being rich. She was literally, if you look at Live and Let Die, in a sense, the character played by Yafet Koto was the same thing. He wanted to corner the drug market so that he could be the only guy in like New York or around the world to sell drugs. And he wanted to become rich. So... That's what her motivation was. But if they just made it something else to legalize drugs and make it easy for everybody to get what they wanted, even those people in treatment for whatever it is, I don't know, just give her a little more backstory and heft, and it makes it that much better. The president of the United States, if he didn't play it so buffoony, and I like that character, I like that actor, Bruce Greenwood. Yeah, he's great. He's but... a great actor. And... um uh, the woman who... Um, Emily Watson. Emily Watson. I was like, Emily Watson's in this movie. I had no idea. She's a drug user. 
but, but again, it was just really. I like again that de- at least that debate was. Look, you had me working all hours of the day. I need to take something just to keep up with you. Like you understood that more than you understood uh, Poppy's motivation. So, you know, but it was a it was an unnecessary plot thread. Fair to enough. Me. Any other um, story elements that you guys want to talk about before we move on to more of the production side of things? Elton John, I think, was the only one plot thread that, to me, added value and entertainment to this movie. I'm not sure you would call it that. Um, I did. Definitely entertainment, but there was no value to him. Oh, he he entertained me. I thought he was hysterical, and I liked how... But, But that's also the problem. Like, he kept popping up so often in the whole third act. I'm like, why are we watching Elton John save the world? And Because it's funny. A, but, <laughs> all right, I get it. Show it once, show it twice. But we do not need to see him every five minutes. Yeah, I, I Every five funny. fucking minutes. Here's why. I could best describe this movie as, um, if I was a salesman, right? And I was like, hey, do you want to see a movie about spies? And you're like, no. Whoa, 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 whoa. It's got drugs. No, I don't care. Whoa, 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 whoa. It's got the 50s. Okay, no, no, no. Oh, it's got the president. We're making fun of the president. Okay. Oh, it's got Elton John. It's got Elton John in it. And John okay. Denver. So, like, you know, it, it, it's like a catch-all, save this movie. Something in it for everybody, so you don't like this. But We got this for you. Don't worry. And it's just like, combined together, it's a hodgepodge of crap. Yeah. Elton John, he's an amazing... Performer, mm-hmm. we know this, and like, and I'm glad that he could laugh at himself. But the joke got old real quick, and we did not see it. Need to see it every five fucking minutes of the had, last third act. I had no problem. Is having him I, I having so him kung fu fight in those platforms? I thought was hysterical. Having him say things like "fuck off," I I thought yeah, was hysterical. Ten times in succession. I I, also, I loved it. Like I did enjoy the joke that the. The dog bots were literally named Benny and Jet. Yeah. Like, that was funny. But I got it. Yeah. Okay, we have Elton John. Yeah, I, I loved it. You and did I for five that, minutes, that, that not every like, five minutes. Yeah, yeah. He was, I, I thought, because what movies is he in? Nothing. I, none. Nothing. So the very but fact that, that he mean, decided th- to do also, this, it was funny to me. That means he shouldn't have to be in movies. Yeah, it was funny to me. I thought he was uh-huh. very funny. And I liked how it was set up because when at the beginning of the movie there was like a news paper clipping behind eggs that says Elton John missing. Well, now we know why he's missing. And I just love the fact that he hated, like, to be there. And when he finally gets into that fight, I, I just, to me, it was very funny. Maybe unnecessary. I just found it funny. Fair. Yeah, I, if you well, wanted to cut time from this movie, it would have been cut Elton John out of it. Yeah, not for me. There, there were so many other things I could have cut out of that movie, story-wise. But fine. as a prisoner, I thought it was funny. You know what? And maybe here's the thing: I can't pinpoint. It was I just know it was just way too much. So you're not necessarily wrong. If if there was other stuff cut, maybe I would have found it funny. It just needed to be tighter. Yeah. Like that. That's where Secret yeah. Service worked. It was a very it was a very tight movie. It was very singular in its. You know, we had this one villain, and we didn't have an over. Number one, our characters were getting whittled down because remember they were they were testing these new recruits to be Kingsmen, so we didn't have to really deal with them. We had this one villain, and you know just various things. This one just had it was again it was bloated Bond. It went for the moon and it threw everything in but the kitchen sink. Well, that's what I'm well, saying. I had a grinder instead of a. The moon. You like music festivals? We got you a music know, festival we got in the movie. 
You like going down on women? We got that too. Whatever you want, we got. Whatever. <laughs> we, we uh, got it. Yeah. All right. So let's uh, let's shift gears and talk about production. Sure. Um, where to begin? Uh, <laughs> cinematography. The one thing I can I I really do appreciate was how well the movie did look. Mm-hmm. It had the same style as the other one. I don't necessarily agree with the way the action was filmed, but the look, the actual like if you paused on an image, the colors. Um, the framing, uh, it, it was crisp. It was beautiful, very well saturated. Um, I, you know, it was also in combination with the costuming where you had, you know, the bright colors and so forth. And that carries over to production design and so forth. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I completely agree on the production design. You can definitely tell like sure. what location they were at once they got there. I mean, the whole, uh, when they're in England, it's, it's more warm. It's more uh, the the golden and brown and orange tones. Yes, mm-hmm. it's like you you got the feel of the Kingsman. And then when we go to Populand, it's very pink, uh, pink and bright and out there, and you, you just know it sticks out like it's a fifties, a sore thumb. Yeah. Like it doesn't, it shouldn't be there in Cambodia. You definitely understood, like, the locations. They looked nice. I mean, you can definitely tell where the money went <laughs> to in this film. Um, I Visually, this is a pretty film. You know, absolutely, from everything from production design to even costumes. I mean, you knew the difference between our Kingsman and Statesman. Just by costume alone. And, 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 and they had the men that looked good wearing the clothes. I mean, that's part of what makes Bond... It's... Manners make the man. Well, you know, the man makes the tuxedo as well. Um, and in Kingsman, where they were so opposite, they were so different. Like, and, and you could see there was the refinement of the clothing. And even Eggsy with that, what color was that? Orange type of smoking jacket or whatever it was that he wore would look ludicrous <laughs> on tequila or whiskey. Right. Or, or, but, and, and I loved that. I loved the clash of the two cultures that had to work together. Um, so yeah, it, it looked, it looked great. And I loved poppy land, so to speak. And, you know, they built that at a, at a studio, um, just outside of London called long cross. And it was a fully made interior exterior set, uh, that Adam bowling, um, who's one of the producers were saying, and I just, yeah, it, it looked great. And it, it sort of had, the feel of a Bond movie for when Bond travels the world. Um, so, you know, and I appreciated that, although I just felt there may have been a little bit too much of that. Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, it looked great. Thought it was filmed and shot well, and yeah. I, a, I, I, I don't disagree with you there. Yeah. That was, and, it's a gorgeous movie. And Darren Guilford, and uh, who's the production designer, uh, and art director Joe Howard, basically, they lived there for five months. <laughs> every deal, you know, every detail uh, under their supervision, Populand was so much th- fun to think about. And it really framed Poppy in a cross between Vegas and Disneyland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's what totally wanted, Vegas, right? Totally Vegas, <laughs> and, and it makes sense with Elton John, right? So, so um, yeah, I really thought that they did a really good job in in realizing Poppyland. Yeah. 
Oh, it was fun. I like Kentucky. Kentucky, Kentucky. L- looked like Kentucky. I mean, I've been there. It's a gorgeous state. Um, I, I like the distillery that they were at, and it looked nice, too. Even their boardroom mm-hmm. was very, you know, posh and prestige. I was impressed by, uh, because I, too, have been to Kentucky, and I've taken a tour of the Maker's Mark distillery, and when you're driving up there, like, it really is, it's sort of weird, it's sort of creepy, because you do see these big, large buildings with the black roofs, which are specifically for distilling bourbon so that they conduct the heat in the barrels. But I love seeing that there. And I love the boardroom. The boardroom was great. And again, it was just such a different, you know, contrast Mm -hmm. to what the British Kingsman is. The the thing I didn't like um, was just everything was too smooth, uh, shot-wise. I appreciate, like, there's... I appreciate some of the transitions... Um, but then other ones, like for example, um, Spielberg does this well, he'll do a match cut, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Right. So, you know, take Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, uh, someone gives Indy the hat, he puts the hat on and he looks up and boom, he's old. Um, right. it's a, it's a match cut. Sure. Um, so there is an art form to it. I thought with this, we tried to do too many like interesting transitions from one to the other, that were too forced. And then, like, with, um, in particular, when we, um, an example, when we were in Kentucky, we go, uh, we move the camera, and then we're going through the top, down into the bottom, down into the boardroom. Right. I don't necessarily need everything to be that smooth. Okay. Right. And there were also transitions shots from just locations, is that um, they used the media footage. As one, sure. when they're reporting on the news, you see it in one location, it zooms in, and then when it was, pulls back out, now we're in Cambodia. Mm-hmm. You know? So, like, and then I get that it it helped move from scene to scene, but also just like this is where you have to realize, oh, it's time. Like, you never really think of how long it takes someone to get from, you know, here to Kentucky to Cambodia back and forth, but yeah, I mean, they did it in this film. Well, they do it in Bond movies too. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's he's on a plane and you know he's he's in Rio. I know. Uh, it's so I don't mind that so that that's that happens in every movie where there's major travel. Like I mean, right. it just you know, that's how you that, it's, it's a way of. I, but even I that private jet word, looked nice. Bridging. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah I, I just felt it was overused. Sure, is all I'm saying. Like you know, uh, when you talk about cutting out, here's the thing: when when you edit a movie, right, um, and you're trying to like trim down trim down a movie i would always suggest and you know i could be wrong if people like you know if people disagree with me that are professional editors that do this on a, on a daily basis you know i do it i would call myself a professional editor but not on a daily basis um you start by trimming down things sure right yeah mm-hmm. um because the last thing you want to do is el- have to eliminate certain portions mm-hmm. so if you're going to trim down stuff the transitions from scene to scene honestly probably could have cut you like a good 10 minutes if i had to guess to be honest Hmm. um and then you get to keep the entire movie and you're a tighter length um so i i just felt you know when you talk about the excesses of everything Mm -hmm. that was our excess too 
cut Elton John too, then maybe it could have been shorter by five minutes too. I, I don't get this hate towards Elton John. Listen, no, I don't I, hate Elton John. No, you I hate, love Elton John. You hate Elton John, let's face it. Let's I love honest. Elton John. Yeah, I love yeah. his music. I hated him in this film. I loved him. In I this hated film. him in this film. He's great. Uh, I love his music though. Uh, well, speaking of music, let's uh, let's switch. Well, well, but wait, I just I do want to talk about too about some of the production design too, and going into making, like say the costumes or or what about the statesman, you know that was you know you know we have a distillery which is part of their front, which mm-hmm. and again it just shows the difference because the Kingsman front is a is a couture it's a it's a suit. Place. It's Taylor. a southern, yeah. It's they're a tailor. They're tailors, and over here they're bourbon makers. And there's no hint of a spy organization above or below. And it, it, there is an American sensibility because, well, Kentucky bourbon is 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 very American. But the fact that this is what they're doing, this is what they're making. They have their own brand of bourbon. And which Eggsy and Merlin get drunk off of because that's what's that's the uh, what do they call it the Doomsday Protocol? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they bring it up. This is the Doomsday Protocol, and then they find that there's the little K on the back. That says, you know, let's go to the Statesman. But I just loved how they made that different. They were wearing jeans and cowboy boots. Mm. You know, uh, Jeff Bridges smoking cigars, and like I just loved how they set up the differences but yet they have the same goal and they could still get along as different uh as they are of an organization uh mm-hmm. i just really appreciated the sets that they were doing and even the costuming how that how it set them up as these you know kentucky cowboys yeah you know i i couldn't yeah. couldn't i i couldn't agree more um you know as far as taking things to a just a far-fetched level like i appreciate like when you talk um the whip right sure i appreciated the use of the whip because we've seen um the use of the umbrella now we're getting the use of the um the whip but it just went to such an extreme like mm-hmm. it, you know when people talk about the wolf of wall street going to excess <laughs> oh God. this yeah. is i would honestly put this more in the category of excess mm-hmm. it went into another extreme of or another type of extreme well we had the whip and the lasso that had all their their fun technology to that and i thought it actually looked really cool while we're watching it Mm -hmm. it was just another cool use of a weapon it was a gadget it's a gadget yeah you know but there was a eggsies in a bar in kentucky he's looking at his drink and he goes i i ordered a i ordered a martini she goes that is a martini in our parts. And I was like, that's hysterical. And he drank it. He's like, hmm, all right. That Those are the kind of like little nuances that I like. It, regarding the whip and the lasso or the skip rope, as Eggsy called it, which is funny, it's it's yet another gadget. It turned into another gadget. Yep. Um, and I, and I, there's got to be something that I could have swore that there was some semblance of a rope that cut people that... I forget if this was done in another movie, but if somebody remembers another movie in which a rope turned into like a laser and cut people, I forget what it was. I don't think it was uh, a Bond movie, but that's a subgenre we'll talk about next time. Sure, <laughs> movies with ropes that cut people turn into lasers. Yes. Um, all right. Um, so let's let's 
talk about the music, right? Because um, the first movie itself had a great soundtrack. Um, now, this one in particular has a great soundtrack as well. It does. Um, so we can sort of agree on that. Um, and I appreciate they, they did bring back the, um, I don't know what to call it. I don't, I don't actually know the name of it, but the I'll call it the Kingsman theme. If sure. You will. Mm-hmm. I, I, I really like that so much. Um, what did you guys think of the music? I thought the music uh, was used very well in this film. I mean, we got the opening bagpipes mm-hmm. um, at the beginning of this film to John Denver's Take Me Home, but in yep. very Kingsman-like sound. But then that also translated to and, and kind of uh, bookended with actual Merlin's singing of the song. So uh, I thought the use of music was very well done. And, I mean, we had Henry Jackman from the, the, the first movie's composer. He came back for this one. And, uh, and he actually comes from a, very, uh, a family full of musicians mm-hmm. and composers, and he has quite the pedigree, musical pedigree. Right. I, well, I enjoyed this, what I specifically enjoyed about this soundtrack, and I was listening to it on my way up here, is how it adapted to its environment. Mm-hmm. So you would hear uh, the Kingsman theme, but done to, you know, country western type violins or acoustic type guitar in the background. It was it had that cowboyish country flair to it, and I appreciated that. It adapted. It made it enhanced the scene. Um, and and the Kingsman Secret Service soundtrack too was a really you know, I, I really enjoy that soundtrack as well. And this one is a sequel soundtrack, I think, very well uh, segued and adapted to the environments that were put into this movie. And having Mark Strong and John Denver again, and Mark Strong talking to, I believe it was Eggsy, where he said something to the effect of, you don't even know who my favorite artist is. Yeah. He's like, well, who's your favorite artist? And I'm thinking, do we know who his favorite artist is? It's like, it's John Denver. And so... And, and they gave that to, to your point, we opened up with the bagpipes, which is fun. And then when he's singing it, it was more orchestral. Mm-hmm. It really came up uh, nice and, and it, was, it just had this nobility Crescendo. to it. Yeah. So. I, I enjoyed Poppy's music, mm-hmm. right? right? It, in particular, the way they introduced her, um, not the exposition, but the actual the grinding and, and making of the burger that just <laughs> elevated the stakes to such a yes. degree. Uh, I enjoyed Eggsy meeting the parents in Sweden. I, I thought that music was good. Yeah. What I didn't love though, was there was to make the joke sort of hit. They played the music at such a high volume that it conflicted too much with the audio. And I, I get that's which, part... Which, which scene? In particular, the, uh, the, the princess dinner scene. Okay. Uh, only because like, I get it. You're not really supposed to care about what Eggsy's actually saying. Right. But I actually was interested to know what the hell, like, okay, yeah. I, want to, I want to hear about whatever the political climate right. is or so <laughs> forth. Right. Um, that it just got too drowned out by um, the music as opposed to, and again, I, it's a choice, but I didn't, I didn't love that choice. Mm-hmm. Well, also the music played with Elton John's music. Oh, I sure. mean, you, and you had... Elton John's Saturday night playing while they're uh-huh. shooting everybody uh, out in the this, the entrance of Poppyland. Um, I thought that was well done. It, it felt more like a music video. Isolate the scene. It's cool by itself. 
Well, and again, Matthew Vaughn took, you know, one thing, too, that inspired Matthew Vaughn, and, and, and source music was used in Secret Service to an extent as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's becoming, well, since Guardians of the Galaxy, which uses music, I think, perfectly, which uses, like, con- which uses recognizable music outside of score, Right. And, and it's thing, the mixtapes, you know, and that's what to Matthew Vaughn is inspired by that. He he felt that, you know, the use of music Guardians is bringing it back to a great way. Yeah, it was like, makes things more real. It doesn't start with Guardians. Well, I, I think well, Guardians is what really when you're in a hyper real world, Guardian, the music in Guardians, you can you argue right, that it grounds it. It gives people a familiarity. Source music, no, is not new. But the way in which Guardians used it was definitely a unique way. And Matthew Vaughn has even pointed out to that, saying, yeah, I wanted to use it in, in this movie in a similar fashion as well. Yeah. But even I, th- so, oh, sorry, one, one more point to the music. Like, Even the trailer to this movie was a source song. <laughs> you know, it's... it's uh, What's the name of it? But it, it it's an it's a noticeable. Oh, song. it was no, it was it wasn't even sort. It was it was the bed, but it was Frank Sinatra. Yeah, Frank. <laughs> yeah, it was Frank, Frank Sinatra, which I thought was going to be in the movie, but apparently they only. I just wanted Elton John to sing Benny and the Jets, man. I mean, <laughs> like, come on, that's a missed opportunity. Um. Well, so I, I would be curious to know if if Edgar Wright and him actually talked because in that opening scene, like when they have like. Uh, that rock music or whatever it's sure. everything's so well timed and when you go to baby driver um i'd be curious to know if yeah there, there was any like discussion like hey buddy can i get some uh, advice on how to cut some <laughs> some of these scenes to well, the music well it's it's interesting that you say that because when you rewatch kingsman they have a great car chase in which Eggsy's driving a car backwards so baby driver to your point and stunt driving have really become something as much as John Denver is now being used a lot for music, there's good stunt driving going on um, as well, putting it to to music. And, yeah, I don't know if Matthew Vaughn and, and Edgar Wright know each other, but, you know, a, a Baby Driver is as close to being a musical, I think, I argued, as, as anything we've seen this year. It's a music yeah. video, not musical. Yeah. I disagree about that. Nah. For Baby Driver. Well, he's not singing. Case. He's just who, listening to music. Who? In, in Baby, Baby Driver. It's like things are cut to music. He's not actual singing. It's more of a music video. Anyway. But that's another that's, movie. Yeah. That's another story for another day. Um, all right. Uh, let's talk about the marketing. Uh, I thought... I'm a huge fan of Archer. Um, but <laughs> yeah. I'll, well, let me put it with a caveat. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Archer... But I, I will admit that I haven't been watching in the past um, seasons, um, probably like the past two seasons, and I am disappointed because obviously there's that huge Kingsman Archer tie over. Um, and I suggest, like, if, if for anyone who loves Kingsman, um, if you love this movie and you love the first, uh, definitely check out Archer. It's a great TV show on FX. Um, and, and especially, you know, I wouldn't say jump right away to the crossover. Mm-hmm. Definitely watch all the seasons. Um, you know, they're on like eight seasons at this point. 
um, but it's really fun and really smart humor. Right, mm-hmm. it's the same. It's the same humor. It's the same type of comedy. They're they're raunchy and uh, they make all the inappropriate jokes at all the mm. most inappropriate places. I've seen most of Archer actually. So yeah, I agree. <laughs> Check <laughs> I agree. it out, um, Dimitri. I'm surprised you don't watch Archer. I'll, there's only so many movies that I can watch, and then to fit in a ton of TV, there's only so much I can watch. You will thank That's me all. when you watch it. I don't disagree with you. <laughs> I, I would probably love it. The, yeah. There are so many shows I know I would love if I watched them. <laughs> but, Archer's uh, pretty much an inappropriate bond. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. And somewhat, yeah, inappropriate, and he's also, like, somewhat competent, but also not. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and he always manages to, and the, but the more he drinks, the better he becomes at being an actual spy. Anyway, uh, we digress. Uh, overall, you, you guys made mention, um, the, um, the song and like all the trailers I remember and by, uh, I remember just the trailer being out for such a long time, playing so many times at so many different it's movies. been out a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and to me, the iconic shot is just the, the tilt down uh, or the jib down of Eggsy looking at the the rubble mm-hmm. that's there. And so we always knew that was going to be the case. And uh, to be honest, I didn't know what the rest of the movie was ever going to be. Um, we didn't really get a sense of who... We knew that Julianne Moore was in it, but we didn't really see that she was the villain or they didn't identify that or certainly what her motives were in the trailer. Right. No, I didn't know this was going to be a quote-unquote just for lack of a drug movie. Mm-hmm. I knew she was going to be the villain, but I thought there was going to be a motivation as to why she destroyed the Kingsman. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that it would, it just happened so swiftly that when it happened, I was like, well, bye, Michael Gambo, and we, so long, we, we hardly knew ye. <laughs> it's like you're, you're gone, and and to be quite honest, I actually felt that that it was handled better in the trailer because of the Frank Sinatra song. Um, it was a music video. I, I just thought that it was handled better, um, more emotionally, and they didn't have that song uh, to be played at all during that that particular scene. And they well, should have stylized action. And, well, that's what I'm saying because they they went for style, right? So. Because now I'm remembering it. Um, you know, she gives the guy his arm and says, "Okay, let's see if you bowl better," which he doesn't because he creates this big hole and gets another pins. Um, <laughs> but we go through the space and into uh, England to see, you know, Exy. And so, as a transition, it works quite well. On an emotional level, not so much. Right. Yeah. Agreed. So yeah. that's now now pinpointing some more mm-hmm. things. Anyway. And again, I think credit to the actor. Like he's just, he just has a look about himself. Again, he just plays suave so very nonchalantly. Even when he winks while he's eating, like there's just something about him. He has a he has this really cool type of charisma. That's what I really liked about him in the first movie. Um, That he could just play that. He's like nonplussed almost. In a sense, you know, even when he's even when things are looking not so good, <laughs> but that's what I like about that talent kid. He's 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 good. I like him. I like him a lot. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see him in uh, a lot more things. Yeah, and the trailer was. I mean, they did do a good job marketing this movie. Um, uh, this ended up being like you know uh, this is a a sampling of what was the final poster. And again, you have the umbrella to the 
to the lasso, lasso. to the mm. skip rope, <laughs> yeah. so to speak. Um, Marketing, I thought, was fine. Yeah. Overall, I mean, it didn't. As we said, it, it didn't. Uh, it didn't really tell you what was in it. It got you excited for who was in it. Mm-hmm. We certainly knew Channing Tatum and all these other people were, and uh, we sort of opened up the show where we knew Colin Firth was right. going to be in the movie, so they didn't hide that fact. Um, and it's even in the trailer. Yeah, and did you see the billboards the there? Yeah, yeah. It was it the it was the button of the trailer? But I also like the the suited up, booted up. You know, when we had... So I, I appreciate what they did for marketing in this movie. Mm-hmm. It was fun. It was fun marketing. Absolutely. Um, all right, so let's get to the nitty-gritty, what we call the numbers and the reception. Um, came out, I mean, uh, all in all, they, they did move up the release date. Uh, people are speculating because of Blade Runner. Uh, they didn't want to compete with that. So it came out alongside Ninjago, and friend request uh, projected to make about forty to forty-five million that weekend, um, and ended up may, making about thirty-six million on the weekend. Thirty-nine. Thirty-nine. Um, yes, I mean it's it's doing financially. It's actually doing well. Oh, well, I apologize. Doing... Thirty-six was the I, thirty-six was the first movie in its opening weekend. Right. Wow. So it's it's up from thirty-six up to thirty-nine. Uh, continue though. Yeah, no, I mean opening weekend. You know, thirty nine. It's it's funny if you follow this stuff. Come Thursday, you're hearing high forties, maybe fifty, and then you're hearing oh high, you know, still all that, and then thirty nine. Thirty nine is not a bad number. It's not exactly forty. Uh, I, I'm sure that they would have liked to have reported forty. Fox would have, but that's sort of. You can't fudge an opening weekend number to add an extra million because it literally was thirty nine twenty three thousand. So that that's adding almost a million to your gross. Um, you know, and then but thus far as of, you know as of uh, September twenty eighth, the domestic total is forty nine point seven, and foreign, which accounted for fifty eight percent of the gross thus far, sixty eight million. So they were advertising, not advertising, but they were. They were being able to go out and said that worldwide they did over a hundred million dollars, which isn't bad. And thus far, it's a hundred and eighteen million dollars, you know, including w- worldwide, of course. So, well, budget-wise, uh, you know, strictly production, one hundred four million. They're saying, um, which what you can take that to one hundred. I mean, based on the advertising, I wouldn't be surprised if it was like one hundred fifty million. Well, one hundred fifty million would be. All in, all in print advertising, and that's that could be conservative. I mean, Fox. Listen, they they had this trailer up everywhere. I mean, we're in LA, so sometimes it's a little bit hyper real and skewed for us because we'll see the billboards and the bus, you know, the bus stops, you know, everywhere. They'll paper it everywhere. So, but they did. It was on television a lot too. Um, so they probably, you know, they, they bought a lot of TV. So 150 is very, I, I, I it, that could be a good, it's a very good guesstimate. Yeah. Um, 4,000 theaters too. I mean, it's, it's everywhere. Yeah. 4, that's, 000, a, that's a big, that's a very, that's release. a very wide release. That, that's a tent polar release. Yeah. So they <laughs> take that, that yeah. very, you know, they, they take it, they took this movie very seriously. 
um, it's interesting. So it beat it by about 6%. Um, so uh, Secret Service opened during a holiday weekend, which is Valentine's Day. Um, this one did not. This one didn't open on any type of a, a, a holiday weekend. And Every weekend's a holiday in my book. <laughs> I don't disagree. Um, the, the demo seemed to be pretty much very similar. 56% guys to 44% females went to Secret Service. Um, but men liked the movie a little less than the first. B plus to an A minus, which, okay, that makes sense. The over 25 crowd arrived in a big way to go golden circle, drawing 74% versus the first chapter 60%. So those under 25, which 26% loved golden circle as much as they, with an A, as much as they liked the first one. So it's very interesting demos as to what they're doing. It seems to be very similar, with the exception of the only real main difference is we've got Rotten Tomatoes score. is very different from different. the first but also, also the release date, too, is different because mm -hmm. I remember when the first Kingsman came out, it was kind of programming to 50, uh, 50 Shades of Grey. Like, the women went to that one, and the men went to Kingsman, and that was during a holiday. And this one, there's really no other film out there right now that's more geared towards women no, and, and have any kind of, kind of programmed, programming yeah. to this one. And, you know, let's not forget, too, it was having its run at the table for three weeks. Like, it, it had no competition. Like, we literally, I mean, this period has been a a dead period, right? Uh, you know, up so we had It, which surprised the hell out of everybody, okay? And that was number one movie for two, three weeks. Mm -hmm. Now we have Kingsman, and then next week um, we have Blade Runner. So we're ramping up again. Um, so, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens. A lot. I we'll mean, see how it holds in. Um, you know, a couple of a couple of people, like as far as Rotten Tomatoes, their summary: Kingsman: The Golden Circle offers more of everything that made its predecessors so much fun, but lacks the original's wild creative spark. Um, Rolling Stone writes: The stunts defy the laws of gravity, but are less fun for that. Watch out for the fight on the ski lift even uh even where kingsman golden circle goes off the rails it inevitably does this cracked caper wears you down with action and giggles sometimes overkill can hurt so good wow. sometimes mm -hmm. too much of a good thing but regarding that scene that. okay that regarding the 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 gondola scene they actually built that that revolving they they actually built that Let's call it a ride because it's something that you see at fairs. Yeah, I, was I like, always remember this is it. The graviton. Like, it's the graviton. It's Thank the graviton. You. Damn it! I was. I've been in that ride. Myself to know what that. The no, graviton. I, was, I was watching. I was like, dude, this is the graviton. They actually. Well, that was a real. Working. That's a real ride. Well, but they made that. Mm -hmm. They were actually pasted. <laughs> Not that wasn't Velcro. <laughs> they were really spun around a lot. Mm. So. There are parts that weren't really CG, and that that actually is a really fun set piece. It's it's very innocent Bondonian because he's had fights on top of gondolas uh, at ski resorts or in Rio and such. Um, I was actually surprised as to how much this took from various James Bond movies, whether it was The Spy Who Loved Me or or um, uh, uh, Live and Let Die or. 
or things like Moonraker, or you know, remember Inspector? There was the whole, there was the whole um, th- that that structure that was in the the snow. The it wasn't the Alps, but mm-hmm. you know, there's always and there's always this. I was surprised they didn't have a skiing sequence in this movie. Um, <laughs> you know, so um, well, here's what we can look forward to. Um, as of now, a third Kingsman is planned. Uh, with the main villain being Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Oh Jesus Christ! What is he? No- I, again, I've said this before. I want to know. I want the list of movies he says no to. We'll, we'll see. Um, and there is interest in making a spinoff for the Statesman as well. For the Statesman. So we'll you see know, if that comes to fruition. Culturally, though, we haven't spoken about. Do you know they they, they opened up a pop store, a pop up store in England. A Kingsman store. Mm -hmm. So, and it was meant to be selling more high-end type of stuff. And uh, apparently the thing that went the fastest was the Statesman bourbon. (laughs) Cases and cases of that. I wish, I I was like going, I want, I want that bourbon. Um, So, and it was an actual, it's a, um, I have it here that there's an actual bourbon, Old Forester, team assisted the Kingsman crew in making this bourbon, but they also sold the suits. They sold the smartwatches. Um, and, and it was, it's this whole thing about manners make it the man, but so don't the clothes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, and apparently this pop-up store has been huge, I'm sure. huge, 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 huge. So, um, I know you talked rotten tomatoes. It was at a 50%, which that means either way, B plus on cinema score. Yeah. So the audience is, not you know, best, we're, we're, we're really digging in. It's, it's not mother. No well, it's, not, it's not. It's no F. It's, it's no F. Mother. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not. Good Lord. So. so, and again, I just recommend to people, uh, if you're sort of iffy about how you might feel about going into a movie, see Mother first, and then go see this movie. And you'll think that second movie is like, whoa. <laughs> so. Um, or you might give up movies for a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> Take a break after both of them. Um, anyway, it's been fun talking the Brothers Grinsby too with you guys. <laughs> Truly appreciate it. Mark Strong was in that, that one too. Was, it's a good one. If you guys, uh, if you guys have any thoughts and opinions, um, whether you agree with us, disagree with us, whether you guys want to talk more about certain aspects of the movie, by all means, happy to discuss online with you guys, whether in the comments section or via social media. Speaking of social media, where can people follow you, Marissa? People can follow me on Twitter at SarahVinnyTV. And where can people interact with you, Dimitri? Please support me on Twitter at, uh, at DMovies1701. I want to take a quick minute, too, because people have been interacting with us, and I think in a really awesome, amazing way. Uh, on YouTube, uh, people have been making some really great comments. Uh, I've been having some really solid, awesome, wicked fun conversation with some people. Even on Twitter, people have 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 uh, showed their support. So I just want to say thank you very much. I, I keep it coming because we love to talk about movies. And it, it's really, it's just, it's cool because we've been doing this for the better part of 50 years. <laughs> and, and for you folks to, to, to come on board, uh, give your time because we're not just a 140 character review show. We really dive deep into this stuff and you pay attention and we really like that. And you have your own opinions and you've shared them and you've shared them like intelligently. And that's what it really, really um, is great. Even with mother, even with mother, we, we, we got some really solid comments on that. So I can't wait to talk Blade Runner because I think Blade Runner is going to be a movie that 
is going to uh, bear discussion big time. So well, we've got a lot of great that. movies coming up. Um, next week we're doing American Made. Then we will be doing Blade Runner. Um, and then we start sort of the Oscar buildup, if you will. Um, so excited for that. Also, feel free to check out our library. We've we've done Kingsman, Secret Service. So um, check out Brothers the... Grimsby as well. Yes. So check out those. <laughs> check out other ones that you want. Um, we, you know, the roster just keeps on building. It's quite incredible. Uh, not quite fifty years. Well, you know, but uh, definitely an impressive roster nonetheless. Um, thank you guys as always. We'll see you next time uh, with American Made or whatever movie you decide to come back and uh, see at the movies. It's up to and you. If you just bought something on Blu-ray, Tell check us out because 9 out of 10, we've got that movie in our library. That's right. Um, talk to you guys next time. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of its owners or principals.